Yo, 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 what's poppin' world? This your boy Uncle B, man, and thanks for you, thank you for tuning in. Let me slow down a little bit. <laughs> thank you for tuning in for another episode of Ball in Tune. Man, I'm so ag right now. This is the only tricky thing about the Anchor app. If you're recording and someone calls you, you got, you're gonna lose everything that you were just talking about. So I'm pretty much re I'm pretty much doing this first segment over again because I was literally done with it, but I got a phone call and it just totally erased everything. So good thing I love what I'm doing. So it's not really that big of a deal. You know, I'm talking about things that I love, so it's not that big of a deal. It just kind of sucks a little bit. But yeah, man. Um, thanks for tuning in. You know, we're gonna dive in. Of course, this is talk. We're talking ball. It's Tuesday, so. Playoffs coming up, so we're going to be, of course, talking a lot of NBA basketball and pretty much nothing else in terms of sports because it's the playoffs, and that's pretty much a whole new season. So with that being said, um, three segments we're going to dive into today is going to be um, rookie of the year, who you feel is the rookie of the year out of Ben Simmons because there's really nobody else, honestly, to even talk about outside of Ben and Donovan Mitchell. So we're going to talk about, you know, who deserves Rookie of the Year, who I feel deserves Rookie of the Year. Um, second thing, who's going to be the biggest threat to Golden State in the first round? Um, I believe it's three teams that can possibly face them in the first round right now. That would be Minnesota, OKC, or the Denver Nuggets. So we're going to talk about which of those three teams would be the biggest threat to the um, Golden State Warriors. So that's what we're going to dive into second. Um, lastly, what we're going to dive into is Scottie Pippen. Um, responding to Isaiah Thomas saying that LeBron is um, over Michael Jordan as far as the GOAT. Um, so Scottie Pippen died. He hopped on uh, the jump, which he's on pretty regularly. Um, he went on to the jump and responded to Zeke in terms of that comment. So that's going to dive into last, man. So let's just jump straight into it and talk, you know, rookie of the year with Ben and uh, D. Mitch. Um, it's actually funny because Ben came – Ben is a very – I'm starting to realize that Ben is a very cocky little guy or a little big guy, however you want to look at him. Ben is a very cocky kid, let me say that. He was asked – I don't know if he was asked about, you know, has another rookie caught his eye or, you know, who, you know, who he feels should win rookie of the year. But pretty much the statement that he said was no other rookie has caught his eye. So I feel like that was a that was a shot at D. Mitch because he have to see that D. Mitch has been cutting up in Utah, but you know D. Mitch says nobody else has caught his eye, so that was pretty funny. I just figured I you know started off with that, but um <laughs> yeah, he Ben okay you when you looking at Ben and D. Mitch, a lot of people are saying um in regards to Ben, um, I believe Richard Jefferson actually said it on the um, road tripping pod. Um, Richard came out and said what a lot of people are saying, that Ben shouldn't be looked at as a rookie, as a true rookie, because, you know, he's able, and it was actually a good point, he has been able to be around the NBA, you know, the NBA world for an, for a whole year. He was, he's been able to sit back, learn, you know, schemes, defenses, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he's just been able to concentrate fully on basketball. Basketball has been his nine to five for a full year. And, you know, he didn't have to worry about going to school, et cetera, et cetera. He's just been pretty much in the NBA world for a whole year. 
and he's been able to benefit from that. So a lot of people, you know, hold that against him in terms of, you know, the rookie of the year talk because Donovan Mitchell is a true rookie. He was actually in college last year. He hasn't been he hasn't been able to, you know, sit back for an entire year in the NBA world. So people hold that against Ben. And it's a good point to bring up. Um, you can't you can't ignore it um, at all. So I'm glad Richard and a lot of people are saying that because it's a, it's a pretty good statement. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a legit thing to bring up. Um, but them making that statement and us acknowledging that does not exclude the fact that Ben is still considered a rookie. Um, now, if this is maybe this is a discussion for another day. For the NBA world, for the um, NBA PA or the MBPA, whatever the Basketball Players Association, whatever, whoever, I forgot the acronym for it. But um, maybe this is something they can bring to Adam Silver in terms of the future. Um, you know, when you're drafted, whether you play or not, that's considered your rookie year. You know, if you the next year, it's your sophomore year and that's it. You know, maybe this is something they can do in the near future. You know, it would make sense. You know, I'm not against that. So it would it would definitely make sense if they did do that, but until they do do it, until they do it, Ben Simmons is considered a rookie, and we have to label him as a rookie. And if we're talking rookie of the year, he have to be in the conversation. You can't exclude him from the conversation just because he was he's been able to be around the NBA world for a year. Until they make that change, he's considered a rookie, so we have to judge him as such. We have to, when talking him and anybody else, we have to look at them both as rookies. This is their first year playing in the league, according to the NBA. So, with that being said, and I, 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 I'm this, I like Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. Donovan Mitchell is really important to, you know, that rookie class, he's going to be one of the bona fide all-stars to come out of that rookie class. You know, no question, bearing any injuries, Donovan Mitchell is going to be, definitely going to be a all-star. So, um, with that being said, he doesn't, people may have, people may hold this against Ben as well. He doesn't have a Joel Embiid, um, Dario Saric, he doesn't have a Robert Cove, he doesn't have a J.J. Redick. He doesn't have, you know, the cast that Ben has as well. I think Richard said that as well, too, on uh, Road Tripping. Um, he doesn't have the cast that Ben has. So, you know, that's that's no argument either because Ben definitely does have the better supporting cast. You know, for the most part, Ricky Rubio only have one all-NBA guy, and that's um, Rudy Gobert. Um, so... I don't think Rudy have an All NBA yet. I think this year he's just he's in the conversation for All NBA. I may be wrong, but um, yeah, I will go look. But I put my phone on airplane mode so we don't have that mishap like we did earlier. So, um, but yeah, um, but Rudy is a very you know one of the best bigs that we have in the league. So, but at the end of the day, Rudy's been out a lot of the year, and Utah has always been for the most part right there, at least at the tenth seed. You know. 10 seed, you may say, okay, that's two spots out of playoffs, but we all know that in the West, you're still in the hunt if you're the 10 seed. You know, the Clippers just got, you know, out of playoff contention, and they've been a 10 seed for a while now. So, um, 
yeah, they've been in the hunt for most of the year, and you can contribute that to the play of Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, because they're already very limited in terms of, you know, a true creator. But, um, so, yeah, you have to acknowledge that, you know, Ben definitely does have the better cast. But if you really watch Utah play, they're not a they're, – they're very systematic. They're a very systematic um, team in terms of offense. They also have one of the best defensive teams in the league as well. Um, since Rudy Gobert has been back, they've been, you know, in the upper echelon as far as, you know, elite defenses in the league. So, um, with that being said, you have to acknowledge the fact that they're a great defensive team, great defensive team one. Two, they're a, they are a very systematic offense if you watch them play. Quinn Snyder, shout out to him. He's in the argument for coach of the year right now. Quinn Snyder has done a very good job of making the best out of what he have in terms of offensive creators. He doesn't have many, but they get the job done by not letting the ball stick. If you can go look up Ricky Rubio comments since he's been in Utah. Leaving Minnesota and going to Utah, he says it's like night and day. You know, they play more. I and mean, I don't even think he was he was doing it to throw shots or anything. He was just pretty much telling the truth, and it's pretty – it's pretty obvious that Utah is more of a systematic offense than Minnesota and more more systematic than a lot of teams. They just the ball just doesn't stick. The guys it's no it's not too much ISO unless, you know, they just have a, a very favorable matchup um, in terms of a one on one. But they do a lot of motion, they do a lot of back cutting, you know, back screens, et cetera, et cetera. They just don't, the ball doesn't stay still. You know, they, you can, they remind you a lot of a San Antonio, a Golden State type team. And with that being said, I feel like Donovan also benefits from that, you know, in terms of being just such a systematic, being in such systematic offense. And I feel like those, um, you have to bring that up in the debate in terms of him and Ben, you know. Um, so, yeah, that. And, like I say, no knock on Donovan Mitchell because he's a, like I say, bearing any injuries, Donovan Mitchell is a bona fide all-star probably his whole career. You know, I mean, he's in the West. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough, honestly. But if he continues to get better, they're not going to be able to, to deny him an um, all-star spot for too, too, long, too much longer because he's just that good already. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick, my rookie of the year would be Ben. And I say that because Ben and and this is nothing about Philly. Philly is not Philly is pretty systematic as well. There, if I'm not mistaken, they're number one in the league in assists. The ball doesn't stick too 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 much there either. Though Ben does have the ball a lot on offense, he initiates the offense a lot. That's not even D. Mitch's game. D. Mitch is just more of a score first guard. Ricky Rubio does a lot of the initiating at the point. I want to say Ben, not Ben, D-Mitch actually starts at the two. So we're kind of talking about a shooting guard versus true point guard. D-Mitch is not a true point guard. He's just more of a combo guard. He can play the one if you need him to. But he's just more of a true scorer. So they're just night and day in terms of player. And with that being said, Ben has a more all-around effect on the game, in my opinion. I mean, that's kind of just pretty not even an opinion. That's just factual. If you're arguing that, you just might need to go check into a facility somewhere because it's a no-brainer that Ben is 
he just has a more all-around effect on the game than D. Mitch. Um, Philly is Philly is a systematic offense as well. The ball doesn't stick too much there either. But you can't argue the fact that in terms of getting that offense started, Ben is the he, he's that guy in terms of getting the offense started and getting the offense started and getting getting the ball moving, et cetera, et cetera. He's the facilitator of that team. No disrespect to somebody like TJ McConnell, but you take away Ben, these guys don't go on that 14 game winning streak. I'm sorry. Ben has just been I wanna say he's averaging a triple double over the over the streak. Shout out to TJ, but he's not averaging a triple double in no league. So with that being said, Ben has been the most important factor in terms of their winning streak. Joel has set. They still have won, if I'm not mistaken, five games since he set. So, you know, Ben is, you know, no question the MVP of that team. He's the most valuable player of that team. And he has just a more all-around effect on the game. He's the better facilitator. He's the better defender. I want to say uh, there was something that um, I saw on Twitter the other day that Ben is the only Ben has guarded the most positions for guys six nine and taller. Um, he's and that's that's including guys like no, you can't six nine and taller because Draymond not six nine, but um, yeah, six nine and taller. He's guarded the most positions um, from the one to the five. Um, before we would say you know that was Draymond Green, you know, but Draymond hasn't even guarded as many positions as Ben this year. So he's a rookie and he's already doing things that defensive player of the year, you know, guys haven't done or isn't doing, you know, this year that that says a lot to me. You know, he's able to guard the starting point guard as well as guard probably your starting five at 6'9", 6'10", that he is. So, you know, Ben just have a more all around, all around effect on the game. And you should, I am, and everybody should be big on all around, not just getting buckets. And that's what, you know, a lot of people just focus on at times. You know, Shade to Kobe fans, no, a lot of Shade to Kobe fans. Yeah, all they focus on are getting, just getting buckets, getting buckets, getting buckets. And, you know, there's much more to the game. And if you're able to still score, because Ben, Ben is not a true scorer. He's more of a true point guard. He, that's why I feel he's more of the – because that, 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 a lot of people have been debating this as well. They've been trying to figure out if Ben is more of a magic or he's more of a LeBron. In my opinion, he's more of a magic because he's just more of a true scorer. Magic scored when you needed him to score, but magic was a true facilitator. Magic was the best point guard that we've probably ever seen. So with that being – LeBron is just more – LeBron is more of a scorer. LeBron is going to finish – bearing any injuries knock on every piece of wood that I can find bearing any injuries LeBron is going to finish top three in scoring easily not saying he's going to finish all time like a lot of people saying he can because that's going to take that's going to take a lot but LeBron's going to finish top three in scoring so LeBron is heads heads and shoulders a better score than Ben is and you know but I feel like Ben is more magic than LeBron but that's another conversation for another day. But yeah, Ben has just Ben just has a more all-around effect on the game. He's gonna guard your starting one. He can guard your starting one, two, three, four, or five. And you know he's the better facilitator by far, averaging you know at least ten assists over this 14-game winning streak for the year. I want to say he's averaging eight. Um, so yeah, for a rookie to be averaging 15, eight, and eight, that that's just not normal. That's not things that. That's not, that's not something that a lot of rookies are doing. 
So, with that being said, I'm I have to rock with Ben for rookie of the year. No, no shade, no, no knock on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is going to be, like I said, a bona fide all star in this league, bearing any injuries. The guy can ball, he can really ball. The dude can go get you a bucket when you need it the most. I want to say he's just he's one of the best fourth quarter players, not rookies. He's one of the best fourth quarter players in the league right now, in terms of just really going to get a bucket in the crunch. So, no knock on Donovan. Donovan is a great, great player. Bonafide all-star. But Ben is gonna be bearing injury bearing any injuries. Ben is gonna be heading like not even not even an argument. Ben is gonna be a Hall of Famer if he doesn't get injured. So with that being said, I'm gonna rock with Ben for rookie of the year. So, like I said, if anybody disagree, you know what I say. Check out the pod. Feel free to write me. Twitter, Facebook, that's what it's usually aired on Twitter, Facebook, Apple Music, all of that good stuff. Just include some context, man. Don't, don't. You don't got to come at me with the, oh, man, it's all about buckets. D-Mitch, go get you a bucket. Blah, 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 blah. Man, just just tell me. Just just include some context with it. That's all I ask. So, with that being said, you know, I'm going to rock with Ben for rookie of the year. Shout out to both players, though. Of course, they're going to both make all rookie first team. They're both going to be great for the NBA in the future. The NBA got a bright future, and I freaking love it. So, yeah, man, with that being said, we're going to jump into a tune. And we'll be back to talk who's the biggest threat to Golden State in the first round. So we'll be back. Yo, 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 what's poppin' world? We are back. Ha! <laughs> yeah, that was Drake. Nice for what? Yeah, I played it. I don't care. Go ahead and yeah, say what you gotta say. I don't care. That mug jump. I know a lot of uh, a lot of you um you know, tough guys, you know, not rocking with it, but, um, I'm a dancer, I love New Orleans, you know, I don't really listen to too much New Orleans bounce, but shout out to Drake, man, that was nice for what, and that is something we're gonna dive into Thursday for sure, we're talking about that track, that's what we're gonna kick off Thursday's segment with, since, you know, we talk about music on Thursday, so that's what we're gonna dive into first and foremost on Thursday, um, yeah, like I said, man, that was Drake, nice for what? Jammer, man, jammer. So, um, what we're going to dive into next, man, we're going to talk about who is the biggest threat to Golden State in the first round. Okay. Um, also, another thing, man, you definitely, anybody that's interested in the pod world and want to do pods, you know, have you a bottle of water on standby. You take that for granted, man. You will be feeling like you're about to collapse if you don't have a bottle of water because you're just going to eventually just do so much talking. Just feel like you're about to die. So, yeah, man. Um, what we're going to talk about now is who's the biggest threat to Golden State in the first round. Let me put this joint on airplane mode. Yeah, all right. So, um... Okay, there are three teams that can face, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there are three teams that can um, that Golden State can face in the first round right now. That is um, Minnesota, Golden State. No, I'm not saying Golden State. Minnesota, um, OKC, or the Denver Nuggets. Okay, um, I like Minnesota. They have some great... Well, they have for one, they have one for sure, a great, one great building piece in terms of um, 
in regards to Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is a game-changing player. He's, you know, a five that can pretty much do it all. And um, I love Cat. You know, he's still young, and he's going to be great in the league. So they have a great um, face for that franchise for the near future. But with that being said, I'm not a fan of Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, he's not that much of a offensive mind. He's strictly he's strictly a defensive guy for the most part. He was on that. He was a defensive, I want to say defensive coordinator for those for the Boston team that won in 08. You know, he's more known for his defense, not really his offense. He's also known for running his guys into the freaking ground all year, playing the 40 minutes a game, you know, hate to say it, but I feel like they had a lot to do with Jimmy Butler going down. Tom Thibodeau just hardware managing minutes for his stars. He doesn't rest them enough. They play 40 minutes a freaking night if it was up. They play the whole game if it was up to him. So, not a big fan of Tom Thibodeau. Um, I'm not a fan of Andrew Wiggins at all. Andrew Wiggins is one of the biggest, not I didn't say biggest, that was horrible. But there have been some true underachievers that and true busts at, at uh, the first overall pick. Andrew Williams is not a bust by any stretch of the word. He's not a bust at all. He's a solid player in this league. Um, I just would like to, I would like for him to have evolved more all around by now. A lot of people may come at me and say, you know, well, you know, well, be everybody's not going to be LeBron. You know, everybody, you know, is not going to be an all-around player like LeBron is. Some people just stick to, you know, what they do. I understand everybody might not be the a great scorer and facilitator that LeBron is because some things you just can't teach. You you know, those guys do get better at it. You know, you're not going to be just a – you're not going to – everybody's not going to be a top three scorer and a top three distributor in the league. I understand that. But when you're 6'8", and – you're only averaging, I want to say, not you're not even averaging five rebounds per game. You're, you're 6'8", and you're freakishly athletic the way Andrew Williams is. It's little things like that. Like, that don't have anything to do with, you know, just being that, – that's not, you know, just something. That's not a gift. Though people do have a knack for the ball in terms of rebounding, rebounds just have a lot to do with effort. I hate to say it like that. I mean, Russell Westbrook, you know, he's not one of my favorite players, but the guy's not even 6'4", and he's average – he can average – 10 rebounds and that's has a lot to do with just sheer effort things like rebounds that has a lot to do with positioning as well but if a point guard and russell westbrook can average 10 rebounds a game i would think somebody like andrew wiggins who can at times play the four the three and the two in this nba he can average a little more than i want to say three or four rebounds that he do average so i'm not a big fan of andrew wiggins you know i feel like his game should should have evolved a little bit more by now all he want to do is just score He's not a great three-point shooter. He's just, he just, very, he have tunnel vision when he get the ball. He, he doesn't get anybody else involved. He just want to go get a bucket. And I feel like Andrew Wiggins could be better than that. So that being said, I'm not a big fan of Tom Thibodeau. I'm not a big fan of Andrew Wiggins. The Jimmy Butler signing was okay, I guess. Jimmy's a solid guy. You know, you can't really be mad at the Jimmy signing. So I'm not going to get into Jimmy too much because Jimmy was a solid signing to pair up with Cat. But... Jeff T, uh-uh. Jeff T is a no-go for me. Jeff T doesn't do anything consistently on the floor. You know, he doesn't score consistently. He doesn't get guys involved consistently. He doesn't shoot as efficiently. Um, was I saying efficiently the whole time? 
Oh, well, I'll start over anyway. Jeff T consistently, I meant to say consistently if I didn't say it already, if I didn't say consistently, but Jeff T doesn't consistent, consistently get guys involved. He doesn't consistently get you a bucket. He just doesn't do anything consistently, and he's not an efficient shooter. He doesn't shoot the three good, that good. I'm not. I'm sure it's not horrible. Like I said, I love to go look it up, but I'm on airplane mode. But um, I'm sure it's not horrible. But he's not a guy that's gonna really kill you from three. So Jeff Teague is just like a, he was a blah signing. He doesn't create any space on offense, and that's what I feel. Um, Minnesota lacked the most. They lack spacing. Their offenses always look cluttered. They they just don't have a true floor spacer. They can really, really use um, some more, more shooting um, on the, in their lineups because they lack it tremendously. So, with that being said, I don't even like Minnesota's, you know, personnel. So, they would definitely struggle to score against um, Golden State. So, I definitely don't feel like they would be um, in that category in terms of being a tougher, you know, first-round matchup for Golden State. Their personnel just doesn't fit enough, fit good to me, and defensively, I feel like Golden State would definitely sh- eventually shut them down. So, that would be an easy win for Golden State. Um, the next two teams are kind of debatable, I guess you can say. So, the next two teams are OKC and the Denver Nuggets. Okay, just in terms of sheer potential and star power, OKC should arguably just this shouldn't even be a conversation because it should be gold. It should be OKC without question. OKC and surprisingly, for the most part this year, they've played Golden State pretty good. Even Golden State at full strength, you know, though Golden State has been banged up this year. I want to say OKC beat them twice this year at full strength, and yeah, that is not surprising because if they play to their full potential, they're a contender. Um, I hate to say it, not hate to say it because I don't have no problem with anybody on the team, but they play to their full potential. They're 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 a contender. They're up there with anybody, and you know that's a obvious because they have three big names in Russ, Paul George, and Carmelo. So, with that being said, I don't. It, this should be a no-brainer. But it's not because OKC makes everything freaking hard. They play on offense. They play like your local YMCA team. They play exactly how we play at YMCA or, you know, Chenault. That's what we, Chenault, you know, the war or something. They, that's what they play like. They, they don't have any offensive identity. It's just give Russ the ball. He's going to dribble the air out of it. And he, he'll, you know, put pressure on the defense, get a guy involved, whatever like that. But if you're relying that much on Russ in terms of, you know, making decisions, that hasn't always been great because we all know Russ can be very erratic with the ball. You know, he doesn't always make the best decisions, you know. And, yeah, OKC could definitely use another playmaker in – that's something that, that I feel would benefit Russ when he's able to play off the ball more and be just going there with a certain lineup and just be a scorer and not ask him to really facilitate. So they can use another facilitator um, on their squad. But they're just not consistent. Like I said, they have no offensive identity. They're a pretty tough, tough defensive team when they want to crack down. Though Melo is like, I can blow by Melo right now. And I'm 5'8", washed up. 
I can blow my mellow right now. Dude, just he's horrible on defense, but he have a lot of guys that can make up for him with you know him with Stephen Adams being behind him at times. Jeremy Grant, who's a very underrated player for them, he does all that dirty work and he knocks down buckets on O. But in terms of defense, he pretty much does everything right on that end. He can pretty much play the small ball five if they want to take Stephen Adams out. He's six nine, he's lanky, he's long, he's athletic, he's versatile. So. I like Jeremy Grant a lot, and he covers up for Melo's, you know, liabilities on defense, just in terms of his versatility. So, um, yeah, they have guys that cover up for Melo on defense. So they're a very great defensive team. Um, but in terms of offense, man, they just can get very stagnant. They're very inconsistent. Paul George has forgotten how to shoot. I don't know how that happens. Me and my partner Tyler and Chris was talking about that the other day. How are you in the NBA and you just forget how to shoot? Like, maybe it's somebody that's, you know, more, can give me, can feel me in more. But if my nine to five is playing basketball, I'm in the gym nonstop trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Though people can say, you know, in practice, things are different. You know, it's not game speed. There are guys that, you know, horrible free throw shooters, for example. You know, DeAndre Jordan, Shaq, in his Shaq, you know, when he was in the league, they'll make 50, 100 free throws in a row in practice. Get, get, come game time, they can't make a bucket. So I understand people can say that, you know, in terms of he can practice all he wants, but in terms of, you know, game time, game speed, you know, it's a different thing. I understand that, and, you know, that's a very good point, I guess, because history does, um, you know, support that argument. So, um... I guess you can say that, but man, it doesn't, we're talking who's the biggest threat to Golden State, and with his inconsistency, his forgetting how to shoot the ball, that's going to play a big factor against Golden State, because against Golden State, you have to score. Bottom line, you have to know how to put the ball in the bucket, because you're not going to lock them up for too, for too long. Um, you can, they might can, because you know, without Steph, that is a different team. Um, I hate to say it like that, but you know, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Steph hater, but you know, there are people that you know overrate him at times. But Steph is a transcend, a transcendent player. We've never seen him before. Steph is a great, he's an all-time great already. So yeah, if you know ball, you know that. And they're a completely different team uh, offensively when Steph isn't there. And so they might, you might have a chance of stopping them now in the first round, you know, just because Steph isn't there. But they still have probably the greatest score of all time. They have probably the best, the second, third best shooter of all time, um, KD and Clay. You know, so with that being said, and they still have their system that they run in Golden State. Um, they have guys that are stepping up to the plate. Guys like Quinn Cook, shout out, he signed them off to your deal. That was well deserved because Quinn Cook been freaking balling. So yeah. Um, they still can put the ball in the bucket. So if you can't do that consistently, you're going to struggle against Golden State. So, yeah, I said all that to say, I don't even feel OKC would be the better matchup for Golden State in the first round. I might get bashed for this. I feel it's the Denver Nuggets, man. If you watch this team play, okay, if you watch the Denver Nuggets play, these guys are, they got some go-getters on, oh, they have some guys that can go get you a freaking bucket. And guys like, even guys like Will Barton, guys like Jamal Murray, guys like Gary Harris, he's back, shout out. 
um, um, Ill Will, Wilson Chandler, even Jokic. That's Barb. You you try and put a small guy on Nikola on on. The, I think that's how I say his first name. Nikola Jokic. Try and put a small guy on Nikola on on Jokic. Try and put somebody like KD who's small. Or somebody like Dray- Draymond who's too short. You try and put them on Jokic. That is barbecue chicken. Jokic is a problem down low. He can get a bucket on somebody that's smaller than them, smaller than him. And with that being said, Golden State does like to play small a lot. That's when they're the most effective when they play their small ball with KD at the five or Draymond at the five. And that is barbecue chicken for Jokic. And yeah, they Jokic can get you a bucket on Mitch matches. Gary Harris just can go get you a bucket, period. Jamal Murray can just go get you a bucket anywhere. Will the Thrill, Will Barton can go get you a bucket. These guys are dangerous. Jokic is one of the most underrated players in this league. This guy can do it all in terms of just filling the stat sheet, being a playmaker. When they give Jokic the ball at the high post or the elbow, it opens everything up because this guy sees everything. He can beat you one-on-one. So with that being said, 9 out of 10, he have to get doubled a lot. And when he gets doubled, he's going to find the open man. He does all the time. And with that being said, these guys have snipers. They have guys who can make a bucket and go get you a bucket one-on-one. So with that being said, if you're relying on somebody like Quinn Cook, Shout out to him. I just gave him all his props. Multi-year deal is well-deserved. But Quinn Cook is not stopping Jamal Murray consistently one-on-one. You might have to put in somebody like Iggy, Sean Livingston, but even guys like that, Jamal Murray can still go get a bucket on them. So with that being said, offensively, they're a problem. They can be a matchup nightmare for you, and those guys can go get buckets. Plain and simple. They can go get buckets consistently out of – Minnesota or OKC. They can they have they've been having one of the best offenses in the league now for I want to say going on three years. So just offensively, they can go get your bucket. Defensively is where they might not be as good as Minnesota or um OKC. They're probably the the worst defensive team out of those three teams, but they're still respectable enough and they have enough respectable defenders. Um to, so it's not that lopsided in terms of them offensively and them defensively. They're more balanced out of any of the three teams in terms of offense and defense because guys like Gary Harris, Gary Harris and Wilson Chandler are known for playing defense on the perimeter. Point blank. They're known for – and that's what you have to have. You have to have perimeter defenders against um, Golden State. And guys like um, Gary and Wilson are known for you know playing defense. So I like Wilson and his strength. Though nobody's gonna lock KD one on one. Oh, I'm tripping. I haven't even brought up freaking Paul Millsap. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm sleep. Paul Millsap can be a matchup nightmare for Golden State as well because he's another one. You're not gonna put anybody his size on him. I like Draymond Green, but I don't see when Paul Millsap has it rolling on offense. He can just hurt you in so many ways down low and on the perimeter. I can't believe I. I I, I, what am I? What am I doing? How the heck did I forget Paul Millsap? But yeah, Paul Millsap on offense can be a matchup nightmare for Golden State as well, inside and out. Defensively, this will made me think about him because we're talking defense. Paul Millsap is, has been one of the most underrated defenders in the league in terms of his versatility, his strength, 
He can guard on the perimeter as well. He can guard down low. I like them throwing Paul Millsap at KD. I like them throwing Wilson Chandler. Though nobody's stopping KD one-on-one. Those are two guys that can use their strength and IQ to actually bother KD on offense. KD also struggled with guys that are smaller than him. Though he's become a better defender since this, Chris Paul some years back played some great defense on KD because I know this just by being a small guard in high school. Um, big guys, tall scores, they really struggle when you have somebody that's under you that's really roachy. Like somebody that's really roachy and like a piss. That's that's Gary Harris. Gary Harris is a great defender. He's going to be an all-NBA team, an all-defensive team guy in this league. Gary Harris is a great defender, and I even like them throwing Gary Harris on KD sometimes. Just give him different looks, you know, because if you just, with great scores like that, if you just try and stick one guy on them, they'll eventually, they're eventually going to pick up his tendencies on D, on offense, you know, with him, with them guarding them. The great players are going to notice what he likes, you know, where he likes to be, and they're eventually going to make him pay. You have to throw different looks at great scores. And I feel um, Denver do have three guys that they can throw at KD. And um, Paul Millsap, Wilson Chandler, and even Gary Harris. Um, but, um, yeah, in terms of defense, these guys, they can also match up with Golden State. And I just feel like in terms of offense and defense, Consistently, I feel like Denver is a better X's and O's, not just talking big names, X's and O's, matchup, consistency on both ends of the floor. I will go with Denver in terms of who's the toughest matchup for Golden State in that first round. Because they just have some guys that can, they have guys that can go get you a bucket for one, because you have to do that against Golden State. And they have guys that can also step up to the plate on defense. So, yeah, that's my unpopular opinion. I know a lot of people probably not probably not have went that route, people that I know at least, because a lot of people want to see OKC versus Golden State in the first round. Me personally, I wouldn't be mad at it because we would see, uh, we would see a Russell Westbrook playing out of his freaking mind. That's one thing. He's not my favorite player, but the guy has the heart of a lion. Though he's overrated, like, on defense a little bit because he doesn't really give it his all on defense for the most part. But when it's time to, he does, for the most part, do what he's supposed to do on defense in the crunch. So, yeah, but Russell would play out his mind against Golden State. We all know that. So if his guys come to play consistently behind him and he's not too erratic, it could be a, it could be a dogfight. But just in terms of, you know, consistency, X's and O's, you know, I would rather Denver. I'm a I'm a junkie. I look at the details of the game, and I'm not just gonna go with big names. So with that being said, I do think Denver is the better first round. Dang man, I went over 21 minutes. Dang, woo, that's tough. <laughs> but hey man, it's ball and tunes, man. I can do this all freaking day. But um, yeah. So I'm in this segment now. Before I be all day, um. I do, but for the record, I do go with Denver. I would rather Denver in the first round. I feel like they're a tougher matchup for Golden State in terms of matchups, you know, individually and X's and O's. You know, I will rock with Denver in the first round. So, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into another tune and we're going to dive into our last segment talking Scottie Pippen, 
responding to um, Zeke. So we'll be jumping in this tune and we'll be right back. Yo, yo, what's poppin' world? We are back. That was Kanye um, featuring, uh, that was Common, with um, Gone. That was off the late registration album. Man, I heard Kanye's back in the studio. He's somewhere, you know, got a whole bunch of artists. I forgot the exact location, so I'm not going to say it. But um, he's somewhere with a whole bunch of artists, you know, just cooking some stuff up. So I hope we get late registration. Um, graduation, even college dropout Kanye, that would be lovely but um, yeah man, that was Kanye West with um, Gone um, from the late registration album alright man, we're going to dive into the last segment and this last segment, I hope I don't get too long winded on this one because I can really talk about it all day okay, I'm going to make an effort to not be long winded because I can talk about this literally all day but um, now I'm trying not to be too long because I did kind of go overboard with the last one but um we're gonna wrap it up with scotty pippen responding to isaiah thomas saying well yeah isaiah thomas saying that mike i mean lebron has surpassed michael jordan as the goat um okay let's talk about something right quick um a lot of people have come came at Isaiah a certain type of way. Scotty didn't say this specifically, but we know this has something to do with how he responded to Isaiah. Um, a lot of people are saying that Isaiah is saying this in terms of, and saying this that LeBron has surpassed Mike um, because of Isaiah and Mike's history. Um, Okay, we all know that uh, that Mike struggled getting past the Bad Boy Pistons. They were rivals in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, they were one of Mike's Achilles' heels in terms of becoming a champion. He struggled to get over the Bad Boy Pistons. They beat him, you know, a few times in the playoffs. So they were they were his rivals. Um, that's not a good argument to bring up because they were just just his rivals. Though it did end bad, you know we all know the um, the infamous exit from the '91 Eastern Conference Finals. Um, how the bad boys got up in the middle of the game and walked off the court, didn't shake hands. You know, Mike coming out saying that you know we expected them to do that. You know they were bad for basketball, et cetera, et cetera, whatever like that. Okay, that's just in the game. They were rivals. What I feel is, look, that is, you know, because I'm actually going to add some context to that point in terms of, you know, Isaiah and Mike's quote-unquote beef. Um, What I feel is overlooked was the 92 Dream Team. Um, We all know that, well, most basketball heads know that Isaiah technically was supposed to be on that Dream Team, but Michael um, reportedly said that... um, he wasn't going to play if Isaiah was playing. Hate to say it like this, but Isaiah, you are not Michael Jordan. So we all know that they were going to ride with Mike over you. So that's a legit argument in terms of their their one-on-one beef. Because when you really think about it, you would just think that, you know, Mike had, a, Mike had beef with just the bad boys as a whole and not Isaiah specifically, just them one-on-one. It's like the only one-on-one beef that they might have had is in terms of um 
you know, the dream team thing. I don't even believe the other um, things that people have said about Isaiah that he's he was jealous of Michael because Isaiah, if you all you all may know that or should know that Isaiah was born and raised in uh, the hood in Chicago, Southside, and um, a lot of people say that he came that Michael came in and took his shine from him as you know being the hometown boy, et cetera, et cetera. I don't believe that by any means because I still feel like Isaiah was respected in every regard in Chicago. This man was still going to the the trenches in the hood, still going to his old neighborhood when he was in the league, even when he left the league. So Isaiah still got respect in his hood. So I don't even believe that in terms of him, Michael, taking his shine as the hometown boy. I don't even believe that for one second. Just by um, Just by Isaiah being the type of guy that he is and just being true to his neighborhood, he still got the respect that he needed and the respect that he wanted from his hometown. So I don't believe that. I feel like the best argument in terms of their beef would be the dream team thing. Their one-on-one beef and not Mike versus the bad boy Pistons as a whole. So the 92 dream team thing, you can say that. Um, But yeah, I I don't take too... Isaiah has came out on record and said that Mike is the GOAT. He said that on, like, he's been on NBA Open Court plenty of times. He's had plenty of interviews. I've heard Isaiah for years say that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Hands down. Nobody can even, at one point in time when there wasn't even a debate with LeBron, I've heard Isaiah Thomas say plenty of freaking times that Michael Jordan is the GOAT, and I, I don't understand how just because he said this, he's finally said this one time that um, that Michael Jordan, I mean that LeBron is the GOAT, I don't understand that, I don't understand how people can just um, ignore the fact that for years now that Isaiah has said that Michael is the GOAT. People making it seem like that Isaiah has never came out and said that Mike's the GOAT on no platform, whatever like that, when he's been on platforms for years now saying that Mike is the GOAT. I don't understand it. So, people like bringing that up. Oh, he's only saying that because he got beef with Mike, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. I don't believe that for one second. He's been saying it for years that Mike's the GOAT. LeBron is just, if you're not biased and you don't ignore key factors of the game, key factors of, you know, what LeBron is bringing to the game, what he's doing at year 15, at 33 years old, how consistent he's been. If you're not ignoring those factors, you have to acknowledge the fact that LeBron is making it an argument now. He's making it to where you're not totally insane for saying that he can be the GOAT. So with that being said, Scottie Pippen on the jump, getting off the freaking moral of it. Scotty Pippen on the jump said that he doesn't. <laughs> I, I'm gonna paraphrase what he said for the most part because Scotty doesn't like Isaiah. Like it, Michael has, it's been reported that I Mike might not like him, but Scotty has held no punches in terms of his um his disliking of Isaiah Thomas. So with that being said, Isaiah was on. Nah, I mean Isaiah. Scotty was on the jump. Ooh, excuse me, excuse me. Scotty was on the jump, and he said that not only does I'm paraphrasing again. He said not only does he disagree with what Zeke uh, said, then he's disagreed with 
everything Zeke has been or everything Zeke has did. He's against everything Zeke has did. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exact words. Pretty for the most part saying Zeke, I don't rock with nothing Zeke saying about Mike and LeBron and I don't rock with anything about Zeke. I don't like him. That's pretty much what the statement has said. I don't like Zeke. So, he then says things that put him all over the map. He contradicts, Scotty contradicted himself for one, just by, just, he tried, Scotty tried to correlate his disliking of Zeke with um, MJ being over LeBron or however you want, however you want to say it. And it doesn't correlate. It does, you not liking Zeke and this argument are totally separate. And just because he doesn't like Zeke, he wants to go against Zeke. Forgetting that he's been on record saying that LeBron is better than Mike. Go look it up. He said it on first take. Stephen A went ballistic. Don't remember the exact year, but I guarantee you can pull it up on YouTube. He's already on record saying that um, LeBron is better than Mike. And Isaiah responded perfectly to this, to this, um, this stunt on the jump by putting it on Twitter. He, Isaiah said, uh, Scotty's on record with pretty much, pretty much Isaiah said, Scotty's on record agreeing with me that LeBron is better than Mike. Because he did. He went on first take and he admitted it and said that LeBron's better than Mike. He also came out and said that he pretty much, for the most part, he better than both. So... I don't know if that messes up the weight that he carries with his comments because he contradicts himself left and right like it's nobody's business. But even on the jump, he totally contradicted LeBron. I mean, Mike being better than LeBron because he came out. He comes out and say, "We didn't ask. Le, we didn't ask Mike." And I'm paraphrasing. We didn't ask Mike to do what LeBron has to do. Mike was just a totally different player. Mike wasn't asked to facilitate. He wasn't asked to guard the team's best defender. He was just asked to score for the most part. Though he can do it when he's asked, but for the most part, I was the facilitator. I guarded the team's best defender. Mike didn't have to do that. Whoo! Well, since you say that, Scotty, that's not that's the epitome of contradiction that says it right there that <laughs> being that the responsibility that LeBron has had over the course of his career now he did try to and try to end it by saying that you know if I was if I'm going into a game and I want to win there's no way I'm picking LeBron over Mike he did try to try and cover it up but that was just a horrible way to cover it up just by saying that because you you use context to defend LeBron, but you're using just personal, you know, emotion-led comments when defending Mike. Like, you're actually using factual statements in terms of LeBron being a better distrib- being a distributor, the leading scorer, and, for the most part, guarding the team's best defender for a lot of his career. You're using context and facts in terms of defending LeBron in- unintentionally. Because he's not, he unintentionally was defending LeBron in, in this aspect. Though he's been on record, you know, intentionally defending LeBron. This time we're just talking about the jump. And with that being said, he's, he unintentionally made a case for LeBron to be the GOAT. By saying that Michael Jordan didn't have, on their championship teams, Michael Jordan didn't have the responsibility 
that LeBron has had on his championship teams. And I've been making this argument for years now, for years. Anybody that know me know that I've been making this argument for years in terms of responsibility when talking Michael and LeBron. It's no contest on the championship teams, Scottie Pippen, would average anywhere from 20 points to eight rebounds, eight assists per game, and he's going out. He's going out and guarding the team's best score. How many times have we seen LeBron done that? How many times have we seen LeBron not only lead his team in scoring, but be the team's lead rebounder, be the team's leader in assists, and he's going out when it counted and guard guards the team's guard the team best score. We've seen that countless times from LeBron. We never seen that out of Michael Jordan in terms of the championship teams. He might have done it on the teams that, that were losing. But the teams on the, the finals teams, they weren't winning any finals until Scottie Pippen came into his own as a superstar. Don't, don't take my word for it. Go watch the Bad Boy Pistons documentary. All of those guys said they lost when Scottie Pippen came, came up and he became a man. Period. When Scottie Pippen was ready to become a superstar... Because he was young. He was young when they was first when they was facing Detroit. He hadn't been in the league too long. When Scottie Pippen came into his own as a superstar, that's when that team started to win. When Scottie Pippen was head and shoulders, the team's best facilitator, he can still go get you buckets. He can still get you 20 a night. He'll lead you, he'll lead you in other areas and you know, in terms of you know, plus minus, et cetera, et cetera. When you're a triple double threat like that. How can you, you can't, you can't argue, you can't argue. So with that being said, thank you, Scotty Pippen, for pretty much being an idiot, um, unintentionally defending LeBron. I definitely appreciate it, brother. You just made, it's, you just, you just gave LeBron James fans ammunition. And this is the benediction we're, we're ending now. You just gave LeBron James fans ammunition for years to come. In terms of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Responsibility? It's no question. LeBron is the leading scorer of his team. He's the best facilitator on his team. Not just out of 10. When it counts now, because he's in year 15, he's 33. He might not guard the best player all game. But when it counts, they need to stop. LeBron is going to switch on and he's going to guard the best player. Before he could do it all game. Championship team, Michael wasn't the best. He wasn't the he wasn't asked to be the team's facilitator and lead them in scoring. That's something Michael's never asked to do. That was Scotty. And Scotty, you said it yourself. So, with that being said, that's gonna end today's episode of Ball and Tune. Thank you for tuning in. I went overboard today, but we're going to have days like this because this is what I do. I can do it all freaking day. Somebody pay me to do this for eight hours a day. I would do it for eight freaking hours a day, man. This is what I do. So with that being said, we're going to dip. Thursday, we will be back talking tunes. And I, um, I'm sorry, you know, if, if, you know, if I got if my long windedness, um, got to you today but like i said this is what we do but um yeah man we're gonna see i'm gonna see you thursday we're gonna talk tunes thursday and um that's it man 
Peace and blessings. Love y'all.